Welcome to the Exarbon Mortgage Podcast, hosted by John Mortgage Major, powered by Verley. This is where we interview top mortgage, real estate professionals, industry insiders, operational managers, and thought leaders from around the nation, diving into hot current topics to help you experience your good life. If I get together with other average people, I'm probably better than they are. Yeah. But that's just you're pure just, athleticism. You're above average. Pure athleticism. <laughs> yeah. It's because I can run faster pure. and hit harder. Are yeah. you pretty fast? Or I've always been fast. Always been fast. Two, uh, you know, I look at all the athletic traits like speed, power, finesse. Yeah. I have speed and power. Finesse, like if you had to get like a one to 10 scale, it'd be like uh, nine, nine, two. two. So any finesse sport, I'm screwed. Basketball, like great defense, strong rebound, box out. Fast breaks great, but as soon as it comes time to put the ball in the basket, I'm screwed. Need a I am screwed. But hey, but there's certain certain people love to have me on their team because they know yeah. I'm just going to dish it to them. I'm going to play hard D and go after rebounds. I can't really jump very well. But. You played your strengths. Yes, that's important. But I I wonder what are the key characteristics characteristics of athleticism, and I. I look at like all the, what are the top three is it's like, mm -hmm. cause there's speed, there's strength, there's skill. And I, I mean, kind of put those. I mean, would endurance and stamina be a part of athleticism? <sighs> I think so. It I depends on the sport. So depends on the sport. Most sports. Yeah. You know, it's interesting about baseball cause people are talking about baseball. You know, sometimes like you'll see this third baseman, like with a pot belly. Yeah. But then when it comes time to go catch the ball, they sprint it down and make like this beautiful athletic jump and catch a ball in midair. And it's like, they're athletic when they need to be, you know, they don't have, they don't, I don't think you have to have endurance for baseball. No. Golf, you know, playing 18 holes and walking around. I mean, so that's, yeah. It's like a slow burn. Yeah. Like you're, even your swing, it's like you're, at least from my experience, like I'm breathing yeah. a little bit heavier. And I never, I haven't golfed in probably a few years, but like I get worn out at top golf. Like my last time, like after swinging, Balls out, trying to hit them over the well, yeah, over the net. The <laughs> yeah, for over the net, um, I'm tired. Can you, know? you crush like, the driver? Sometimes one and three is like, whoo! He must golf, but then the rest of them, he must work out. <laughs> but no, Happy Gilmore style. Nice. You probably understand the reference. Rolling, Are we rolling? with the okay. homies. The take it Clint back. Bartlett. That is right. Thanks for coming on, man. John, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited. Always a pleasure. This is. A true pleasure. Oh, I knew you would I'm excited. be over the moon yeah. about this opportunity. Let's take a little snapshot for our listeners out there about Clint Bartlett okay. and his corporate days. Ooh. Do you miss Ouch. them? You want me to rewind my life? Rewind. Okay. Give the, us just a little tidbit. There's very small aspects of my corporate life that I miss. Um, I graduated from BYU in 2006 and moved from Utah to Southern California to be a night shift manager at a Frito-Lay facility um, making where I was the night shift manager of the Funyuns department. So I was in charge from 10.30 p.m. to about 7 a.m. of all Ooh. the workers who were on the production floor, both manufacturing the Funyuns, which is made of essentially cornmeal. I'm sure you know that already. Uh, of course. And then the packaging side too. So you had the processing and packaging. So I'd be out on the production floor trying to like help out wherever I can, sometimes jumping in, being hands-on, like folding the packaging or like in processing, cleaning up messes. Um, but it was like, you know, reporting to your your day shift boss and tell them what all the problems that happened through the night and try to work on, you know, 
key indicators that are going to help the department do better, you know, reduce waste, improve productivity, throughput, all that jazz. So kind of an engineering type role. I'm never going to look at Funyuns the same oh, way man. again. I know way too much about all the Funyuns and Doritos and Tostitos. But no like pun I worked, intended. Uh, yeah, I worked. What? No pun intended with the fun. <laughs> You're witty, very witty. Um, so I spent five years working um, at Frito-Lay in that facility and kind of bouncing around from role to role in different departments and then took a job with ConAgra here in Omaha. The job was actually in Lincoln. I was at another production facility um, making candied popcorn, fiddle faddle, crunch and munch, and poppycock. You're gonna laugh at really? the you're gonna <laughs> laugh at the names of the popcorn that we made. Uh, yeah, I mean, they sound enrobed popcorn. Delicious. So I know way too much about that. And then uh -huh. I spent my last couple of years of corporate life uh, actually at ConAgra downtown headquarters, working in something called contract manufacturing, where I traveled a little bit more and was basically managing third party accounts um, that made ConAgra food. So kind of like mm. the people that would like white label the food for us. And then quit in 2016 to become a full-time real estate investor. Guru. And that's when the, the journey really became real and was exciting and fun. Well, you have perspective and appreciation for 10 years, freedom yeah. and entrepreneurship mm -hmm. a little bit a little bit more or less depending yeah. on who you talk to. Yeah. I think a lot of people in their journey um, have worked nine to five jobs that have moved on and it definitely gives you a different perspective. And a lot of people there's and you know, people hate on the corporate world, but I feel like there's a lot of good that you can take from it. Like in terms of in manufacturing, food manufacturing systems and processes are so key. So mm -hmm. I've now implemented a lot of things in my real estate investing business where hey, this is a system, this is a process, this is how we're going to do it so that you can, it's repeatable and you can expect a certain outcome or result, which is really important for what I do. Right. But I think the perspective that you gain as well, like of appreciation, like I still, when I see people like commuting to a job or like when I'm occasionally stuck in like five o'clock traffic, not that we have a lot of traffic in Omaha, I'm like, wow, I used to do this every day. And like, I get a little like a little memory of like, just like living that life where you're mm. leaving every Monday through Friday, you're, you know, waking up at, you know, six 30 and driving into an office somewhere. And then in the evening between five and six, you're driving home. And like, I just can appreciate my life so much more now because of that. Mm. So I get to wear swooshy pants, you know, I'm wearing, I'm wearing my, my comfortable swooshy pants right now. And that's going to feel pretty good. It feels great. And frankly, for 10 years, I didn't get to wear swooshy pants to work or in the summer I wear shorts and flip-flops and like when I'm dressed getting dressed in the morning I'm appreciating that moment like I'm putting on flip-flops and then I'm gonna go to my job yeah. so not everybody gets to do that no I and you don't know it. what you don't know if you've never experienced yeah that type of position yeah and for role. some people I think that you know what when they can take a little bit from their corporate life and then implement like the key things they've learned I think it makes them that much better but I often do wish that, wow, could I, I met with a, a 21 year old wholesaler this week. We had uh, breakfast on Monday and I was like, man, that's a head start right there. Like he's 21 and he's just getting involved in real estate investing. Where would I be wow. right now if I had started when I was 21? Mm. But maybe I needed the other 10 years to go through the other muck to be where I'm at right now. Not that I'm at some amazing place, but Right. You know? It always makes you wonder, though. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you got to believe that it all happened for a reason. Oh, yeah. Because it's your story. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so the corporate world and your experiences in those different roles, which, um, you know, whether it be Funyuns or some of the other um, candy-licious yeah, poppycock. product. Yeah. Where have you seen some of the most valuable, I guess, skill sets that have transferred over to dynamic properties in particular? Interesting. You know, I think that through the years of working like on the manufacturing floor, working with what I would call very gritty people, um, surly, gritty, gritty surly, grouchy. Uh-huh. A lot of manufacturing people are just really grouchy. You know, they oh, okay. work a, a very like monotonous job. They all yeah. have carpal tunnel. A lot of them are older and aging and just bitter at the world. They've had um, and I get to walk into the, I'm walking in as a 20 something year old or, you know, when I transferred to Conagra, I was the uh, production manager for the entire plant. So it's like some young kid walks in is, is their, their new boss and they're all rolling their eyes. So it's a really good position of learning to be in, um, of learning to influence people and to work with people when you're starting out at a huge disadvantage because they don't like you from the get-go because of your role and your position. So I, I would say that was a huge win um, is just being able to work with a lot of different people and mm -hmm. very high conflict type situations because it's a stressful job. And like, I don't know who would think that making funny is stressful, but we found it a way. Like <laughs> you find a way in any, most careers, like you have a boss and you have metrics that you have to hit. So, you, you know, it becomes stressful, but, you know, having that pressure and working with really difficult people. Um, those are things that I feel like I've taken into my role now, which my, I would say the highest value that I provide um, in my company right now is really when I'm meeting with sellers, when I'm negotiating a deal and being able to talk to people and get a feel for who they are and what their needs are and try to help them through. Like I'm, I attribute a lot of um, my corporate training and experiences to my the skill that I have now to do that. Nice. So did I ramble? Very interesting. No, okay. not at all. It, all was, right. it was good stuff yeah. for uh for the listeners out there. Cause it's we all know our own story from our, you know, from every piece of the puzzle to create it what we have now. And so it, it's it's always tough for others. Well, I haven't been in his shoes before. You know, how was he able to you know, go from the corporate world with that structure to, you know, the freedom and make a business happen from ground zero. Mm -hmm. Were there, were there moments where you were like, man, like, did I make a mistake? Did I, did I jump the gun? Good question. Because um, obviously our biggest enemy oftentimes is our self. Yeah. I personally, the minute that I quit my job and walked away, um, there was never a regret or never a doubt that it's what I needed to do. Um, in fact, I remember uh, just recently there, this was like right after I graduated high school. I remember very specifically telling a good friend, um, I want to be a real estate investor. Like I, I said those words out loud and, you know, 20 years later it took, yeah, well, maybe not quite 20 years, but 15 years later, I accomplished that. Like I finally quit what I never planned to do um, to do something that I knew that I wanted to do that I would be passionate about. And there's a Jim Carrey graduation speech that he gave. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but he talks about his dad and about how talented 
of a, of a comedian his dad was, but he was an accountant and he hated his job. Jim Carrey's dad hated being an accountant mm. and he got let go. They like, he tells a story in, in his graduation speech that his dad got fired and Jim Carrey's perspective on it was like, if my dad got fired from doing something that he didn't even like to do, like, why not go for like, why not try to at least achieve your dream? Like if, if the risk is that you could get let go be downsized or whatever the situation is, I mean, why not go for it? Why not go for it? And for, for the thing that you love, you know what I mean? So yeah. never looked back. It doesn't mean that, uh, financially everything was easy, um, from, you know, the transition. It doesn't mean that I was even in a really a good position financially to make the transition. Um, when I quit and left, it was really just a matter of, we had five deals in our pipeline that we were going to be buying and flipping or, you know, trying to wholetail and just make quick money and resell a property quick. And it was enough to like justify a little bit of like runway. Um, so I wouldn't say that I've ever fallen on like hard times mm -hmm. in the sense I've quit, but it doesn't mean that like, you know, oh, I quit my job and became a millionaire. It's like, no, it's, you know, you still have to <laughs> fight a little bit and you don't get the, the same 401k package and the great health benefits. So a lot of that stuff goes away. You have to offset that cost. But, you know, even if my real estate investing business completely crumbled somehow in some way, shape or form, I don't think I could ever go back and work for anybody else. I'm in the mindset that I would find, even if I needed to go sell t-shirts on the side of the road right. that I was making, you know, like I'm some silly thing. Well, what you're telling find me is a way. You, you'd bet on yourself. Yes. Whereas a lot of people, they, gosh, how do I want to put it? They don't even realize how much true potential they have Correct. in themselves, which is their biggest enemy and mm -hmm. the reason why they don't take that leap of faith. I remember on February 8th, you know, at 10.30 a.m. of last year when I left a bank and decided to be a part of Exarban Mortgage, mm -hmm. and there was no better feeling. Mm -hmm. Was I scared? Of course. Of course. I mean, it's like, gee, I mean, it, the future's unknown yeah. to an extent, but when you believe in yourself and you know you're capable, it's a pretty damn good feeling. And I think the interesting thing about fear is that people believe to make a commitment and to jump into something that's big and scary, the fear needs to be gone. But what I've learned is that the fear doesn't go away. You have to actually do it while you're a little bit scared. Yeah. You have to go towards the fear. Yeah. And like, and I think people think that the fear goes away, but like, I still get nervous about like deals that I, you know, we try to do five or 10 deals a month sometimes. And I still will stew a little bit about what should we do? Should we make an offer? Or, you know, when we're going to rehab a house, it's like, well, do we go full Monty and rip, the, rip out the walls and do all this stuff? Mm -hmm. And so I still stew about things and have fear. But I think that the misconception is that, you know, you leap when the fear goes away and that's never the case. Amen. You know what fear stands for? No. False expectations Amen. appear fear real. real. See? Fear. Yeah. <laughs> it's very that. true. You got that. False expectation, expectations. Yep. Todd Duncan, a guy that I've still to this date, unfortunately, never met, um, but I listen to a ton of his podcasts and vlogs. You um, want me to give you his number? Yeah, please do. Okay. Which uh, we do have a we do have a tie-in with Jeff there, so oh, okay. I'll have to stay on. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll have to stay on. Yeah. Him. He even gave um, my buddy Jeff a uh, a coin after he was on his like summit. Oh, okay. Uh, that he carries around with him every day now. So pretty cool. Yeah, kind of cool. Yeah.
But uh, no, to your point, it's so true. Fear mm-hmm. is never going to disappear. Um, you just have to embrace it and know how to handle it. Yeah. Which you have to know what it is. Yeah. You have to say, oh, that's fear. Right. And I think that some fear is good. Um, fear is like a flag or warning sometimes. So it's like, I'm not saying be reckless because I think sometimes people jump into new ventures and they're a little bit reckless. Good point. The cart before the horse. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm not saying do that. You still do research and you still analyze and you still have to like look at both sides of a coin before you make a decision. You have to, you know, say, okay, what are all the worst case scenario avenues? What are all, what's the best case scenario and weigh those options. But yeah, the fear is there. You just have to recognize what it is, acknowledge what it is, and move past it, obviously. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah, there's always going to be variables and things out of your control, too. So control the controllable. Mm-hmm. It's going to play out Yep. one way or another. Amen. So dynamic properties um, built a portfolio of, of some homes that you guys hold on to, mm-hmm. other homes that you flip or wholesale yeah. i'm by no means an investment guru since i don't have any investment properties yet i imagine you know more than most just because of what you do and the people that you're around that's but, true yeah that's true because yeah. i mean if anything on our side of Xarba mortgage if somebody's thinking about getting in the game mm-hmm. you know we can get them started yeah um which is nice to know yeah. but obviously the bigger you get um, kind of changes the game as far as the value of um, who your resources are. Exactly. Um, so what does that portfolio look like these days? So, um, you know, I haven't gotten a, a recent count. We have somewhere a little over 80 doors total, and the majority of those are single-family homes. So call it 68 to 72-ish single-family homes, Mm -hmm. and then a few multifamily units um, to get to that total. So we have like a duplex, a five, a six, a sevenplex. um, In the greater Omaha area. In in the greater Omaha area, um, the majority of the properties are, yeah, kind of in Omaha proper, but we do have, um, you know, a small multifamily unit in Nebraska City, one in Hooper, Nebraska, which they call it Hooper there. But if most people would look at the word and call it, pronounce it Hooper. Hooper. Um, <laughs> Hooper so is. yeah, mostly single family homes. And we've um, acquired the majority of those over the last few years um, using a method called the Burr strategy. Um, so Burr meaning buy rehab. Sorry, I'm a little slow today. Buy rehab, rent, refinance, repeat um, with the key in there being the refinance. Um, being able to buy a property at a large discount. And then when you refinance it, because you bought it at such a great deal, when you refinance, you get the appraisal done. And then the bank, hopefully they'll give you a loan at anywhere from between 78 to 75 to 80 to 85% of value. And because you bought it so right, you're able to pull all your initial cash back out and maybe even your rehab dollars back out so that you own that property um, with a 20%, 25% equity position and you have zero initial cash in it, you're able to pull that cash back out. So we've been doing that pretty solid for the last few years. So what's neat about that is it's very repeatable. Um, and as long as you can make the properties cash flow, you know, the rentals will 
be paid off in the next 15 to 20 years and they're cash flowing now and the tenants will pay them down and you know all of the upside to owning a rental portfolio. So that is the miracle of the Burr process is you can literally do it with the same seed money that you started with and repeat it over and over. Beautiful. The key being that you buy it right at the very beginning right? so that you have that room to pull the cash out on the refinance when you are converting it into a rental. I feel like Burr, its existence as far, I mean, because it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that something that you guys came up with or is there people? That no, um, who actually coined it? I'm not sure exactly. Uh, a couple of the, the guys on Bigger Pockets may have coined the phrase Burr. People have been refinancing for a long time. You know, they buy right. a property and they're like, oh, you know, I have a lot of equity. I'm going to refinance, pull the cash out. But you you know actually titling the the rental strategy the rental acquisition strategy burr i think it was you know bearded brandon um david green hmm. the, the guys that are on the bigger pockets podcast i think actually put the acronym together and said hey this is a cool david green who was here in omaha it's catchy. um yeah actually wrote a book wrote the book burr you know and kind of explained the explained the process through and through hmm. but he was out here speaking um a couple months back and it's pretty cool to that is cool. sit and chat with him yeah, yeah. that's cool so I feel like a lot of people that are not in the game uh -huh. you know, always have a preconceived notion of why they wouldn't get into the game. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, like I don't, you know, whether it be a plumbing issue yeah. or someone not paying their rent, I'm sure those issues come up. Yeah. Um, is it much of a, a pain and an issue as some think? It, it can be. Um, so in terms of the rental properties, we have a um, property manager it's a third-party company. I have no ownership or equity in the company, um, and they manage the the rentals for us. So that is a, a big help um, because after we initially acquire the property, get it fixed up, we can hand it over to Sean Malloy and say, hey, here's the rental. It's ready to go. And he takes care of putting a tenant in and then managing the whole you know, rental collection process or if there's vacancies or if they trash your property he handles evictions all the other stuff so you don't have to I, deal with any of that you hear i i hear about it and i do have to deal with it because when a property gets trashed and we're in the middle of this right now you know we put somebody in there 10 months ago and rented it to four young kids who are all gonna like you know kind of share the house they trashed it stopped paying rent um so kicked them out and now i'm going to be rehabbing a house again less than a year later and putting another four or five grand into fixing up all the stuff that, you know, busted holes in walls and things like that. So right. there's an emotional draw there. And what's funny is a lot of the properties that I buy are from what, what, what I title as tired landlords, landlords that mm. have one or two rentals and they had a really bad experience and it soured their taste and they're like, yeah. never mind. And, um, you know, we, we buy their houses from them and we'll buy it with a bad tenant in place right now you know there's a moratorium on eviction so there's some tenants that have not paid since like we have one tenant that owes us six grand but we can't evict them we've tried three times mm -hmm. and they're claiming you know covid distress so we buy houses that have like bad tenants that have kind of hunkered down and a lot of the landlords don't have the the knowledge they don't know how to go through the eviction process you have to get a lawyer involved and or file it and go to the courthouse so it's a little bit of a process but we just we assume the problem you know we'll say hey we'll take your your bad tenant because we know that there's value in the real estate and we you know try to go get 
the lowest amount we can for that piece of real estate, knowing that we're going to assume a lot of headaches and issues. Um, but yeah, people can get tired real quick if you're in the front lines and I even get tired, not even being the property manager, just hearing about some of the issues right. and just dealing with them. It, it, it'll stress me out. Like yeah. these kids that banged up this property, I literally asked my property manager, I was like, what's their names? I want to find them. But I have since let that go. That was this morning. I'm over it now. Sure. Just move on. Exactly. Just move on. Yeah. Can't dwell. Yeah. Can't dwell. Mm -hmm. So where, so where does, Clint and dynamic properties want to be in three, five, three, years five, from seven, now. ten. Yeah. Jeff and I, Jeff being Jeff Cohen's my business partner in yeah. dynamic properties. So uh, obviously we have a um, an acquisition flipping wholetailing business. So we don't keep every property that we buy. We, for example, last year we kept a little less than half. Um, we refinanced half of them and kept them for our rental portfolio. The rest of them we flip and wholesale and wholesale being that we just buy a house off market and then simply resell it on market and try to make a little profit um sure our our big lofty our bhag our big hairy audacious goal is a thousand doors um or a hundred million dollar portfolio um over the next five years which is pretty aggressive some people would say that it's aggressive but it's a very doable thing um colin schwartz in omaha has achieved that very thing. He has a lot of syndications and partnerships, but mm -hmm. he has he's built over a thousand door portfolio um, in the last four or five years. And I've watched him do it. So wow. there's you always know, somebody to chase. Can be yep. done. There's always somebody to chase, but him and I, uh, that was, that's very hard to do in the single family home space. So there'll have to be some multifamily, larger multifamily, you know, 50, 100, 200 300 unit sure. type acquisitions to get there in the next faster. five years yeah. yeah so that's part of our, our our plan but we'll always have a wholetailing flipping business in place um, which we do a lot of marketing to pick up those deals at a great price um, that will always be in play um, because of you know it, it generates profit it helps feed our our rental acquisition um, because um, we can keep the best and sell the rest that's kind of one of the mantras of investors who are, are marketing for great deals and also buying and holding. So we try to manage that. Keep the that best process. and sell the rest. Keep the best, sell the rest. Even from a uh, people standpoint of people on your team, mm -hmm. keep, the, keep the best, sell keep the rest. Keep the best, sell the rest. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like people who don't have the right mentality mm -hmm. or negative Nancy's. You can't gotta cut them. it loose. You gotta cut them. Yeah, I agree. Gotta cut them. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, anything else we want to touch on? Clint? Uh, what do you want to know? I mean, I, I want to know I why gotta... somebody would possibly give you guys a one star. Oh. So we have a one star. Was it a Google review or did you get on the Better Business Bureau? I think this was Google. Okay. They gave us a one star in the Google review. That's painful. You know what's but... funny? I think I looked at. It's interesting too when you look and see that person on if they have one starred anything else. Yeah. Some people are just out to, you know. Ah, oh, they're one star uh, people. They just, just want to, yeah, they just want to criticize everybody. Are you a one everybody. star person? So we send out, in some cases, about 20,000 postcards a month to people who should be motivated sellers, whether they're, like I mentioned, tired landlords. So if they're an absentee owner, they own a property that they don't live in. Um, we send a lot of postcards to people who would be more likely to sell 
Um, so we're also targeting people who are 50 years and older who have high equity um, in their mortgage. Um, so 50% equity position in their property. You can buy these lists and market to these people. So we found that some people get very angry if they get a postcard from us, a little 30 cent postcard that's yellow with black print that says, you know, I'm Clint, I want to buy your house or hey, very urgent notice. Please give us a call. We want to talk to you about purchasing your property. Sometimes people read the whole postcard and they get really mad. They get really angry mm. and they call in or they'll submit a complaint about us. But the people who actually work with us and meet us and get to sell their house to us, we have nothing but five-star reviews from them. We just get the one-star reviews from the angry people who yeah. didn't like the postcard when really you can just throw it. If you don't like it, just throw it away. Throw it away. Do they call Do they call everybody? Do they like write a bad review for like Valpac? Like if they get like coupons in the mail that they didn't want they must do they give, give them a bad review really really mad man that's that's so a spare that time a that's a spare time situation right it there yeah, yeah. you can't please everybody no you can't and the more successful you are you're gonna have some haters true I mean, that's just uh true you got to ruffle some feathers and uh, as investors who who market um you always that's part of the game is you know if you're sending out twenty thousand postcards and making a hundred thousand phone calls a month it's like you're gonna you're going to come across some angry people. That's yep. just how it is. That so, is the truth. Yeah. The Clint Bartlett. The Clint Bartlett Instagram handle. Exactly. Yes. We needed yeah. to cover that. Can so. I just say that John, uh, when he invited me to be on this podcast, <laughs> he DM'd me, which I found really weird. <laughs> I because slid right He, he slid in my DMs. Though he had my, my cell phone number, he could have texted <laughs> me or called, but he, he DM'd me. I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> It just felt right in the moment. <laughs> okay. I appreciate it. New form of communication for us. That's right. You know, wherever, and that's the thing too, is people like myself in that moment, wherever we are and whatever platform we're on, that's where people want to interact. Yeah. And so, Convenience. Uh, I will, uh, I'll text message you next hey, time. Hey, whatever you want to do. I appreciate <laughs> any form. <laughs> well, good. Thanks again, Clint. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Bye for now. Goodbye. <laughs>